In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, cleanse my heart and my lips, Almighty God, that I may proclaim your gospel worthily. The Lord be with you. Reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus instructed the twelve as follows. Anyone who prefers father or mother to me is not worthy of me. Anyone who prefers son or daughter to me is not worthy of me. Anyone who does not take his cross and follow in my footsteps is not worthy of me. Anyone who finds his life will lose it. Anyone who loses his life for my sake will find it. Anyone who welcomes you welcomes me. And those who welcome me welcome the one who sent me. Anyone who welcomes a prophet will have a prophet's reward. And anyone who welcomes a holy man will have a holy man's reward. If anyone gives so much as a cup of cold water to one of these little ones, because he is a disciple, then I tell you solemnly, he will most certainly not lose his reward. The Gospel of the Lord. What seems to be the most common comparison made between Catholic parishes and Protestant churches is that the former lack the warmth and hospitality which you can readily experience in the latter. This too has often been cited as the main reason why these Protestant churches appear to be more attractive than their Catholic counterparts. So is offering better hospitality the solution to getting our Catholics to stay put and to attract more new members? Hospitality in the ancient world was much more than politeness or friendliness. In an age where inns were few and far between, travellers had to rely upon the hospitality of strangers to aid them in their journeys. Hospitality was also a way to survive in a culture where political boundaries were in constant flux. Before dismissing this as pure superficiality, let us consider what the readings have to say about hospitality. It is clear that hospitality is more than just a five-star personal butler service by your team of wardens or getting a Louis Vuitton door gift bag when you are identified as a first-timer or you're feted with a standing ovation by the whole congregation or a cheerful, welcoming ditty led by the choir. Hospitality means more than welcoming people and making them feel at home. It means more than being friendly and generous, especially towards strangers. The theme of hospitality in the readings is more nuanced. In the first reading, we have the story of how a pagan, a Shunammite woman, shows remarkable hospitality to the prophet Elisha and is rewarded with a prophet's reward, the gift of life to one who was barren, the epitome of God's graciousness. Though not part of the biblical account, a Jewish midrash narrates how Elisha performs a second miracle which resurrects this woman's son at a behest when he died prematurely due to an accident. In another midrashic account, the son of the Shunammite woman comes back to life twice 
once when he dies in the field and Elisha revives him, as is related above, and a second time after the death of Elisha, when his corpse comes into contact with the prophet's bones. So the story is not just an illustration of the promise of our Lord in the Gospel, that anyone who welcomes a prophet will have a prophet's reward, and anyone who welcomes a holy man will have a holy man's reward, but also a prefiguration of the greater reward which our Lord promises to all who welcome him and his disciples, which is the gift of the resurrection. This is what St. Paul wishes to convey to the Romans in the second reading. When we were baptized in Christ Jesus, we were baptized in his death. In other words, when we were baptized, we went into the tomb with him and joined him in death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead by the Father's glory, we too might live a new life. By our baptism into Christ's death, his death becomes ours. Christ's story becomes our story. Christ's strength becomes our strength. Christ's body becomes our body. Christ's risen life becomes our risen life. This is the greatest gift of hospitality, salvation. And for this reason, those who welcome us also welcomes the one who sent us, because they will be welcoming Christ. We, by virtue of our baptism, are that other Christ. And finally, we come to the Gospel. Christ is the ultimate paradigmatic model of a virtuous life. Christ is not just one priority among many. He is the priority which supersedes all other priorities. In fact, he is the absolute priority over the closest family ties, over life, and finally over possession of one's own self. But this priority comes with a unique privilege and reward. The servant or envoy is placed on par with the principal. How the servant or delegate is treated is equivalent to how the principal is treated. There are not two different standards, one for the subordinate and one for the superior, but one single standard for both. This is at the heart of the mystery of incarnation, that God became man. And this too is the very essence of the mystery of redemption. Christ took our place on the cross, and by his resurrection, we who die in him will also rise with him. The glory which he reaped on the cross and by his death is for us to enjoy too. So one can see that hospitality goes even deeper than good manners and kindness shown to a stranger or visitor. It is in fact what God has done in the person and work of Jesus Christ for the salvation of his bride, the church. In fact, the whole of the Bible and salvation history can be understood in terms of divine hospitality. From the moment God placed Adam in a garden, which the latter had not planted, to how he showed hospitality and offered protection to Abraham and his family, to how God gave the Israelites the promised land to call home, to finally preparing the heavenly city of God that welcomes and provides eternal sanctuary to the righteous. We see scriptures revealing to us the primordial hospitality of God, in contrast to the inhospitality brought about by man's sin. We see a similar pattern in the life of Christ, the inhospitality that Jesus encounters from the time of his birth 
There was no room for him in the inn. And when Herod tried to do away with him, he continues to encounter throughout his entire lifetime. He came to his own, and his own people did not accept him. Our Lord counters the inhospitality of the human heart with the hospitality of his Heavenly Father. In the light of the crucified and risen Christ, the community of Christian faith proclaims that God, the host of the world, has given us his Son and Spirit to transform an inhospitable humankind into his own hospitable image and likeness. So in a world of deep and divisive hostility like ours today, we truly believe a recapturing of the understanding and practice of biblical hospitality to be a key component of our renewal of our parishes. Hospitality is not optional to the Christian life. Our souls are measured by, among other things, how faithfully we provide hospitality to others. According to Christ, it is one of the conditions for salvation. I was a stranger, and you made me welcome. We might tend to think of hospitality as the sole realm of the Minister of Hospitality or the front desk parish secretary, but a woman's greeting by a warden can be immediately undone by a parishioner's harsh word or dirty look. The only way parishes become beacons of hospitality is for all of us to make hospitality our responsibility. When everyone in a parish is welcoming, serving, blessing and being blessed, offering others the greatest gift, which is the gift of salvation, then we can be sure that when we meet Jesus, he will show us the greatest hospitality by saying, Come, O blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.